Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You are not giving up on the Lord Jesus Christ. I keep telling y'all, he is coming back for us. And so we are going to be ready and prepared. So when he cracks open up that heaven, that we will be with him. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Okay. So we know that we need to lay down this flesh, right? Because since we have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of light, we can't go back to that vomit. So it is good to do some Bible study on what this flesh is all about how we are to now walk in the spirit, to deliberately walk in the spirit so that we can be found blameless when Jesus come. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let us start off in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you today and I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace and your mercy upon my life. I love your people, Father. And I too want to get in on the recovery mission of the lost. And so, Father, I give you thanks and all the glory through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who saved my wretched soul. And so I ask for wisdom and clarity of mind. May the Holy Spirit move on me as I bring forth your word. I ask for wisdom and insight. Show me things in your word that I didn't pick up on on the first time. And so, Father, I give you all the praise and all the glory, and I thank you for the grace that you have on my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so let's talk about this flesh, how we need to lay it down and kill it. Amen. Because you see, the Lord Jesus Christ paid a huge and deep price so that he can ransom us back from Satan so that sin will no longer have mastery over us. And so we need to do, like I said, some good old fashioned Bible study. So let's crack open our Bibles and let's get started because you see the flesh the sin nature, we have to first understand what did Paul mean when he referred to the flesh? Because the Greek word for flesh, okay, refers to the corrupt 
human nature dominated by sin and rebellion against God, the unregenerated personality of a man apart from God, controlled by his self-seeking whims and desires, that character which influenced man to live as a God to himself, that's the flesh, okay? And when you are in the flesh, you are apart from God's spirit. You're going to do, you are going to do things the way you want to do it, how it makes you feel, and nobody can tell you anything different from that. And so we see in Ephesians, Paul describes this state of affairs in this matter. Okay. So look in Ephesians two verses one through three, Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Verse two, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And we know who that is, Satan. Okay, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse three, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So there we go. Because let me tell you, the flesh that sinful nature is unconsciously led around by Satan. Okay. We were duped and controlled. This is what Jesus has come to deliver us from. Not only the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. And so we see this struggle with the flesh in Romans 7 verses 7 to 25, because Paul vividly describes the struggle with the flesh. Here, the portrayal is intensified as he uses the first person. So we see in verse 18, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature, you know, that flesh, right? For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And we see that in Romans 7, 18 to 20. And a few verses later, he cries out, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And we see that in Romans 7, 24. These verses are controversial for two reasons. First, is Paul talking about himself? Does he use his own personal experience to describe the common experience of us all? Probably. Second, is Paul describing his struggle before becoming a Christian? Or is this some ongoing struggle with sin? 
okay? Theologians have argued back and forth about these questions for centuries. Certainly, it's difficult to read this section without thinking about our own present struggles with sin, no matter how you interpret Romans 7, 7 to 25. However, Paul does not leave you in a hopeless struggle. Amen. With the sin. In answer to his question, who will rescue me from this body of death? Paul's resounding answer is, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we saw that in verse 25. In Romans 8, 2, he declares, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. And so for now, we've established that the spirit is in the business of changing us and giving us victory over sin. Amen. But be clear, however, that Paul doesn't assert that our sinful nature is somehow eradicated. Oh, no, no, no. It is still there as part of our fallen, imperfect, and broken being. But God, glory be to his name, replaces the old quote-unquote operating system, you know, that sinful nature, the flesh, with a new operating system, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so as we learn to yield more and more to the Holy Spirit, we are freed from our slavery to the sinful nature. So you ask, just how does that work? Well, we got two passages in Paul's writings talk about this process of walking in the Spirit. We see Romans 8, 1 through 17, and Galatians 5, 16, and verse 24. So, just what does it mean to walk in the spirit? Because you know how we always hear that we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't yield to this, we don't yield to the flesh. We are now going to walk in the spirit. So, question one, Romans 7, 7 to 25. What does Paul mean by the sinful nature or the flesh? Is this ever eradicated? Can there ever be victory over temptation? So, first things first, we need to set our minds on the spirit. And we're looking at Romans 8 verses 1 through 9. So, as Romans 8 begins, Paul contrasts living by the flesh versus living by the spirit. Then he goes on to explain the key for those of us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And we see that in Romans 8, 4, right? That those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit, Oh, have their minds set on what that spirit desires, what the spirit desires. And we see that in Romans 8, 5. So have their minds set on, as the scripture says, is the verb to think, which means 
to give careful consideration to something, to set one mind, to set one's mind on, to be intent on, okay? Because uh, if we look at verse six, the faculty of fixing one's mind on something, that way of thinking, that mindset, okay? Walking in the spirit has to do with what you set your mind on. And we can see this also displayed in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, as well as 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17, because when we are walking in the Spirit, we are consciously setting our minds on to not walk in the flesh. So it is important to know that you are saved by Jesus dying for your sins, okay? And not by your record of yielding to the flesh because we don't want to get it twisted that by us walking in the spirit that somehow we are doing the work for our salvation. Oh, no, no, no. It is only that we are saved by Jesus dying for our sins in the first place. But as you learn to yield to the spirit, as you begin to focus on the spirit in your living, guess what's going to happen, folks? You will begin to experience in your own life the freedom and salvation that Jesus already secured for us. And we see this in Philippians 2 verses 12 to 13, because let me tell you, I am a witness to that because once I made a conscious decision and laser focused my attention on Jesus, as far as repentance is concerned, because you see, I had not fully repented because it was obvious why, because I was still in some sin. I may not have been in the big time sin, but I was even deceiving myself with that because as far as God is concerned, sin is sin. But you see, in my delusion, I'm thinking, okay, apart from the Holy Spirit, I'm thinking that as long as I'm not in a big time sin of what I thought was a big time sin, then I could just say, Lord, you know what, forgive me because I always tucked away 1 John 1, 9 in the back pocket that whenever I slip up, I can just take that out and, you know, and make God stand on his word that he has to forgive me. But no, once I deliberately on purpose through the Holy Spirit say, you know what, I'm repenting. I'm going to lay this sin down. I am not going back to the vomit. I can't tell you how much more quieter my life has now become because I put away the sin. I'm walking in repentance daily. I'm looking to the Father to make sure, is there anything else that I need to get rid of? Because there, there are things that's in our heart, okay? Because you know what Jesus talked about, what the heart and what is in it. And we see that in Mark 7, 20. And we see this over there in the book of Jeremiah. I believe is what, chapter 17, that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. So 
I want to daily, excuse me, I want to daily sit with the Father and let's go over some things. Is there anything that I don't know about? Is there anything that's hidden that I'm still doing unawares? So we want to constantly stay in fellowship with the Father to make sure that we are still on the course. And so when you put away those sins and don't give any provisions to it, oh, your life, it is so much peaceful. I assure you, because see now our minds, thank you, Holy Spirit, are not on the cares of the world. It is not on that spouse who can't get it together about you can't have a girlfriend and a wife at the same time in the same city. That don't work. Okay. And so when you're not thinking about your bills because somebody can't manage money, you're always broke. You're always down at the pawn shop. You're always borrowing money. And so now you're spending money on vices like cigarettes and drugs and alcohols and, and buying all the latest fashion. And you're telling this person, we ain't got the money for that. But oh no, no, they want to holler and kick and scream because they want to be the center of attention. And so you are constantly depressed. You're constantly in the flesh because you're arguing and you're fussing and you're not walking in love and you're not really devoting time to Bible study. Why? Because you're looking at the clock, it's two, three o'clock in the morning and where they at? And so now, glory be to God, when you put all of that away, you can now focus on walking in the spirit. And so we see that how important that Jesus died for our sins. And so now we can begin to experience in your life that freedom that Philippians 2 uh, 12 to 13 talks about. And so the life-giving spirit, it frees us from the bondage to this flesh. And we see this in Romans 8, 9, because having the spirit of God living in you is what connects us to Christ. And Paul reminds us that you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And that's just point blank and period. And we, and we have used these terms so much that it no longer registers. But pause for a moment to consider the difference that God works in us by living in us by his Holy Spirit. We are not controlled by this flesh. And Paul argues insistently that we are controlled by the Spirit since the Spirit himself dwells in us as would a welcome guest in our home. Hallelujah. And so we now have this perfect peace and we can look to Isaiah 26, 3. Okay. Because there's a passage in Isaiah that describes this practice of placing our mind on the things of the spirit. And we see that in Isaiah 26, 3, where he says, you keep him in perfect peace 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And that is so true. When our minds are stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ and not on this world and not on the problem, not on how we're going to get our bills paid, not how how we're going to keep this job and keep that, that cheating spouse to check him every time he starts cutting up. And just worldly matters that will choke the word of God out of our lives. And when we keep our minds stayed on him, and guess what happens? Perfect peace. Amen. Why? Because we trust in Jesus. We trust in him for our life. We trust in him for our kids, our jobs, our money, our health, everything Everything, glory be to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, flows now through Christ. He's our master. We look to him for everything. We look to him for teachings. We look for uh, to him for sound doctrines. We look to him for the full counsel of the word of God. It is him we go to. It is him and we breathe and have our perfect being. It is Jesus. Jesus Christ, Lord, is the centerpiece of our lives. He is the one that sits on the throne of our hearts so we can't move, we can't breathe, we can't think unless we filter it through him. Why? Because he's now the Lord, not the sin, not the devil, not this world, not our house, not our spouse, nobody but him. It is him. And so when we are steadfast, when we are stayed when we lean and lay and rest and find our support on Jesus, because you see, the primary idea of the root is to lean upon, okay? And this brings to mind, okay, a chorus from the 1970s. Is this song, it says, I'm learning to lean, learning to lean, I'm learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, right? And so the idea is also contained in an old gospel song from the African-American tradition based on this verse. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ain't no harm to keep my mind stayed on Jesus. I'm a walking, I'm a talking with my mind stayed on Jesus. Amen. Now, y'all know I can't sing, so y'all better not be talking about me out there. So, now look. When you keep living with your mind stayed on Jesus, on the spirit and his power, I'm telling you, it will transform you. Placing our minds on the spirit enabled by the indwelling spirit to be free from the power of this sinful nature is one metaphor. Paul also characterizes this way of living in the terms of walking, okay? Us who walk not according to the flesh, 
but according to the spirit, because we saw that in Romans 8, 4, okay? Because see, it's something about walking. That means that it's a continuing process. It's not just that, okay, so now we stay, um, now that we are saved and we sit down, right, Holy Spirit? No, we are walking this thing out. And so question number two, okay, what does it mean to set? the mind on the things of the flesh because if we look to Romans 8 1 through 9 and Isaiah 26 uh, 3 okay excuse me what does it mean to have your mind stayed stayed on Jesus how much of this requires willpower how does the spirit assist us can this become a habit as we practice it? So we look in at Galatians 5, 16 uh, to 18 about this walking in the spirit because the Galatian church experienced the same struggle of learning to walk in the spirit like we do, you know, that same conflict with the flesh. But Paul explains that the Mosaic law to the extent that people follow it, restrains the worst human actions like murder, stealing, adultery. You know what I'm talking about? But we Christians are not under the Mosaic law. God has something better for us. Glory be to God, the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at Galatians 15 verses 16 to 18, it says, but I say, Okay, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. Verse 18, but... But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Amen. And these verses teach a twofold action of the Holy Spirit to keep that flesh, to keep that sinful nature from controlling our lives. Number one, the spirit releases, according to Galatians 5.16. The Holy Spirit frees us from the bondage to the corrupt sinful nature. And we see number two, the Spirit restrains, okay? And we see this in Galatians 5, 17 to 18. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit contends actively with the flesh to keep us from sinning like we otherwise would if the Spirit was not active in our lives. And so we see, even though our spirits have been regenerated through the new birth, because we are now born again, uh, believers in Christ, that old man, it's not eradicated. Oh, we can keep him quiet by walking by the spirit and in the spirit. And so Because if we give into it, oh, that is going to spring up big time in our lives. And so this is how we know that the Holy Spirit is in us. Because through the gift of repentance from God, we now have this want, this want in us to not go out and sin. 
we can, but we don't want to, okay, to put it in, thank you, Holy Spirit, everyday common language, the doctrine of repentance and the gift of it from the Father is that we don't want to sin. We don't want to sin anymore. Even though those same temptations are there, we're looking at it now with a side eye. Like, nope, uh-uh, stay over there. I'm going to be over here with the Holy Spirit. And so it's something about that temptation that at one time, oh, we ran to it. But now we're like, uh-uh, nope, no. It, it causes this huge hesitation like where before we may have hesitated for about five seconds to think about if we're going to do it or not and then we did it anyway but now it's like days and months and glory be to God years that we still over here looking at it like nah I hear you calling but I'm not a coming uh-uh no, and the more we keep doing that, the more we keep doing that, practicing that side eye, like, uh-uh, I ain't coming. And the more you do that, the less and less it starts to speak because it's not being fed. Because let me tell you something. If you want to kill anything, don't feed it. Thank you. That, yo, that was the Holy Spirit right there. If you want to kill anything, I don't care what it is. Listen. If you want to kill a human being, don't feed it, okay? It will die of starvation. And likewise, anything in the flesh, okay, anything that's lusting after you to come to it, kill it by not giving it no attention, pay pay it no mind whatsoever. Starve it of the, of the attention that it is seeking. Be like, no, you're not eating today, you know, so... We need to look carefully at all of those temptations that beckons us, that uh, try to give um, provisions to it. No, like I said, we got to starve it. So now look, number one, when we talked about the Holy Spirit releases, okay, it releases us from the bondage to sin because we saw in Galatians 5.16, where Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desire, the desires of the flesh. Cause you see that sentence has two parts. First, the command to live empowered by the Holy spirit. Okay. It is translated to mean to live, to walk, to be guided by. Okay. The word, okay. Um, I believe translated in the Greek, And the Greek literally means to walk around, okay? Then the word takes on a figurative meaning, meaning to conduct one's life, okay? That means to behave, to live as a habit of conduct. So the word in the present imperative, thus a command to the continuous action of walking in the spirit will look at what this means in practical terms in just a minute. So hold on, hold on. So the second part of that sentence, okay, discusses fulfilling the desires of the flesh because we are human, 
Mm-hmm. And we have always have had temptations. That is the desires of the sinful nature. And those are called temptations. And so when we struggle with the sinful nature to some extent, okay, we are going to be tempted to give into it. But to be tempted with a desire doesn't mean that we have to act on it. Okay, just because it's calling us, we can just turn our head and be like, ignore it. Okay, but when we are tempted with it, we should have that desire to not want to act on it. Because look, listen, folks, we are not animals. Okay, even though we sometimes act like them. Okay, and we may feel a desire but we don't have to carry that out. We can be like, no, I ain't doing it. And so we see a powerful promise to the believer in verse 16. Okay. And so let me just paraphrase that. If you walk in the spirit, then the impulses of the flesh won't find fulfillment and thus they lose their power. Cause I'm telling you, just like if you are in um, a war of words, if you will, right? As long as you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with this person, it's just feeding their ego. The more you counteract, here they go with something else. But if you just shut the conversation down altogether, then they are fighting with themselves and thus they will lose their power. And just like with this flesh, and there's something to it when God says that when we submit to him and resist the devil, when we say no to that temptation, even though it is calling us, we shut it down, we ignore it, we give no provision to it. And guess what God said? that the devil will flee from us. That's the process. We don't, first of all, we need to be submitted to him. Okay. Because he, thank you, Holy Spirit. That's the key to this whole thing. If we are not submitted to him, if we're not submitted to his Holy Spirit, if we don't bend our will close to the ground and listen to what he say and not what the world say, and definitely not what this flesh got to say, Okay, and so when we are in full compliance and in full submission to the Father through His Son, when that temptation comes, it's not as appealing as before. Why? Because we're keeping our eyes on the prize. That let me tell you, we ain't gonna live forever. Okay, and God said that we we keep playing in this sin, we ain't gonna make it. So. For me personally, and I pray that this will be in your life as well, that uh-uh, it ain't worth it. Oh, it may feel good in that moment, and, and what, 10 minutes later, you're feeling guilty. You're feeling like you let Jesus down. So now you got to repent, start back from scratch. And so once that flesh like, yeah, I got you that time, and here he come again. So it would be this endless cycle going back and forth, back and forth. And you know, it's like you take two steps, and then you're back three steps. You take two steps, and you're back five steps. 
steps. We ain't got time for all that because, see, while we backpedaling and backsliding, we can drop dead of a heart attack while we in that adultery, while we smoking that weed, while we lying and stealing, while we still masturbating, while we still watching uh, porno, while we, while we still smoking them cigarettes, don't know how to cover up this body, got that Jezebel spirit on. We don't know that that's the day that Jesus is going to call us out of our body suits. So no flesh. We ain't trying to do any of that. We keeping our eyes on heaven because this world is not our home. Listen, thank you, Holy Spirit. Let us not get too comfortable here. We are passing through as God's vessels and ambassadors to preach the gospel to the lost and let the church know y'all better stop it. Okay. Y'all better stop it. And so we let this world know, listen, Jesus died for the sins of the world. He was buried. And after three days, he rose again. And he is very much alive, sitting at the right hand of honor at God the Father's right hand. And from there, he's waiting to make his enemies his footstool. Jesus, glory be to God, will touch down on planet Earth once again, bringing in his kingdom, his kingdom of righteousness and justice. And he will show the past governments, which he will crush with his coming kingdom, how you rule the people with righteousness and justice. And if you think about acting up, okay, that iron rod, that scepter, oh, he's going to let them nations know you keep it up. You ain't getting no rain. Amen. So there we go with that. And so now getting back to point number two, where we're talking about how the spirit restrains us from the flesh dominance. And we see this in Galatians 5, 17 to 18, where it says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If you ever try to push two magnets together, you know how difficult that is, right? Their magnetic fields repel each other. This war between the Holy Spirit and the flesh is expressed in two ways in verse 17. Both the flesh and the spirit has have desires which drive and motivate them. The flesh desires us to act like a God to ourselves, whereas the spirit points us to serve the true God in love and in faithfulness. Amen. So previously, the Mosaic law was the believer's restraint restraint from letting the flesh get out of control. And we see that in Galatians 3.24, though it was weak. Okay. But now the Holy Spirit, glory be to God, is present within us to keep us from doing what the old sinful nature wants. Because I'm telling you, when you get that check in your spirit, 
when you know that you are even thinking about or contemplating going back to the vomit, the Holy Spirit is like, "Uh uh-uh, no precious. We don't do that anymore. Okay, you were born again. Over here in this kingdom, oh, we lay down that flesh. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And so we see that there is this constant war going on, the hopelessness and frustration of when Paul cried out in Romans 7, wretched man, it gives way to the joy and freedom of Romans 8, brought about by the Holy Spirit. Because we see in Romans 8, 2, through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So whether it was the Mosaic law or the voice of our mother in our head <laughs> that that educated our conscience, the law has been our restraint. But now the restraint is the presence of the Holy Spirit himself within us to whom we are called people to yield as our guide. He's the guide now. We no longer uh, strike out on our own. And so as a result, we see in verse 18 of Galatians 5, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So question number three, how does the Holy Spirit enable us to resist the temptations of the flesh. How does he restrain us? How does he how does he enable us to break the hold the flesh had over us? Because you see, this is the struggle. We need the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you to help us keep this flesh in check because without the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. Willpower will fail you. Oh, you may have little inroads a time or two, but overall, you're going to go back to the vomit. You're going to go back to that man that keeps calling you, who keeps looking for his friends with benefit package. You're going to keep wanting to smoke weed with your with your old weed head friends. You're going to want to keep putting on them sexy clothes, ladies. And for you men, with all your tight muscle shirts, rolled up sleeves, showing all your guns and tattoos with your skinny jeans, we're going to keep going back to that vomit if we are not led by God's Spirit. So, keeping in step with the Spirit, where we see in Galatians 5.25, at the end of that session, um, section, Paul comes full circle to where he started. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit because the flesh is dead is crucified and we saw that in galatians 5 24 the spirit is now thank you lord is now our source of life we live by the spirit paul reminds us again that our very life as christians okay is from the spirit and we see that in galatians 3 Uh, verses 2 to 3, as well as Galatians 5. So, 
We must not turn back to the old way and yield continually to the pull of the flesh. Absolutely not, because the phrase keep in step, be guided, or walk in verse 25 isn't the normal word for walking or to be led. No, it is to be in line, okay? It is to be in line with a person or thing considered as standard for one's conduct, you know, to hold to, to agree with, to follow, and to conform, okay? Because if we look at the Phillips translation that paraphrases, if our lives are centered in the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. You know what I mean? Just basic cut and dry, okay? Because if we say that the Holy Spirit is our guide, then we listen to what he got to say when he gives us those promptings and those checks in our spirit to tell us, uh-uh, nope, you're going the wrong way. Then stop and follow him. Don't detour off to the left thinking, you know what? One more time, Holy Spirit, let me just go do that one more time and then I'm, then I'm done. No, because one more time becomes one more time and one more time becomes one more time. And then that last time you could drop dead of a heart attack and then will you be? Okay, so we ain't trying to do that. So what we want to do is cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So let us summarize. In Galatians 5, we've seen the believer's relationship to the Holy Spirit expressed in several analogies. Number one, walking, okay? To walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And we saw that in Galatians 5.16, okay? Another analogy, number two, being led. Because we see in Galatians 5.18, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And number three, conforming. Because see, these, thank you, Holy Spirit, these are the ways that we are in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. So now we are conforming. And so we see in Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Meaning, let us conform, let us put down our old man, now have the mindset, okay, of God, of Christ, being yielded by the Holy Spirit, that we are now walking by the Spirit, we are being led by the Spirit, and we are conforming to what the Spirit has to say, how we think, how we be, how we're going to live out this life in Christ until either we drop the bodysuit or he comes back, okay? If we are the generation that we're going to get raptured out of here, okay, after gone through the tribulation, then so be it. But we got to stay ready. We got to be like the five wise virgins 
that kept their oil, I mean, they kept their lamps filled with oil, filled with the Holy Spirit. And now listen, don't let this world fool you to think that you are missing out on anything. You are not. You don't need all that fake news media, no way. You don't need all that satanic music, no way. You leave them Illuminati, Luciferian celebrities alone. They want that. They want, they on purpose sold their souls to the devil for what? Some fame and fortune? For what? A couple of million dollars? And then what? You're going to die? Go to hell as you await the white great throne judgment. Uh, no, I'd rather be over here living in contentment with whatever means that the Lord Jesus Christ gives me to live on and be happy with that because that money is not for me anyway. Yes, I pay my bills and then now I'm looking around how now I can help somebody else and live that way. I'm good because my my treasures are being stored up in heavens. I don't want everything now. Yes, get I'll get what the great big old house, the a couple of nice fancy cars, you know, all the latest and greatest gadgets and gadgets, nice clothing, and for what to go to hell? No, no, absolutely not. And so we see that by cooperating with the Holy Spirit, we we walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and we keep in step it and we keep in step with the Spirit. So what does these have in common? They all require the believer to be active rather than passive. You are to actively seek the companionship of the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God. That is so true. This is exactly what we do because you see, after we got saved, we don't just sit down and just wait for Jesus to come. No, we have to be active. We are walking. We are being led. We are conforming. Amen. And so you walk at his pace because see, that's the problem. We want to get ahead of the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. You allow yourself to be led rather than trying to go your own way. And you conform yourself to the Spirit's will. Paul isn't accusing the Galatians of not having the Holy Spirit. No. He's acknowledged that they received the Holy Spirit because we saw that. We see that in Galatians 3, verses 2 to 5. Rather, he's telling them to actively embrace the Holy Spirit that they've been given. The Spirit is preferable to the law any day of the week. For he is the Spirit of God himself within you to guide, direct, and teach you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we appreciate you. Perhaps in times past, maybe not so much so, but we got the memo, right, Lord Jesus? We got the memo, Holy Spirit. You are the supervisor, the superintendent over the body of Christ. And we listen to you from now on. 
Father, we repent in the name of Jesus for all the times we got ahead of the Holy Spirit that we did not walk, nor was we being led. We did what we want to do. We apologize. Forgive us, Lord. Thank you. We getting this together. Glory be to God. And so, like I was saying, okay, the spirit is preferable to the law any day of the week, okay? It's like, it's kind of like breaks, if you will, right? So I'm not that old enough to remember the days when you had to push down hard on your brakes in order to get the car to stop. But then they came along, okay, with a newfangled invention called power assistant brakes. All you got to do was to tap the brakes and the power brakes would just kick in and do the work of stopping the car without much effort from you. Dear friends, the engine of your car is the Holy Spirit. He's the power in your brakes too. Glory be to God. Yes, you need to cooperate with him and tap the brakes when it's appropriate, but no longer. Do you have to resist the flesh by your own willpower alone? Because I told you, willpower will only get you but so far, but you will crash and burn. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, has come to conquer the flesh. Praise the Lord. So, in closing, my friends, don't give up. Sometimes when we read passages about the conflict with sin and are reminded about how often we fail to follow, we sometimes deliberately go on our own way, even though the Spirit shows us God's way and prompts us when we are tempted. Because let me tell you, I've been there, but I want to encourage you with the words of Apostle John when he wrote 1 John, when he was an old man, and sometimes he refers to his readers as little children, okay? John knows all about the struggle, but this is what he says. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth, verse 7 of 1 John 1, okay? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then he says in 1 John 2, 1, 2, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Verse 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. And so even when we sin after receiving the spirit, Jesus' atonement covers us. We confess our sins and get back to walking in the light. Now, that don't mean we take his grace for granted and use that as a license to sin. Because you see, people, these carnal Christians, 
or the lukewarm Christians, they love to pull out 1 John 1, 9, talking about, you see, first of all, God knows my heart. He knows I'm trying. And because look, he says that if we confess our sins, yes, he says that, but we don't put that in the back hip pocket as a go-to as we still rolling in our sins. No, because the Holy Spirit done already told me that we use that as a license to sin. Absolutely not. So no, we don't do that because children, okay, look, children don't learn to walk immediately, right? They toddle for a while before they are able to walk confidently. Even teenagers and adults lose their balance and fall once in a while. But as we learn to walk in the spirit, it becomes a habit, a way, a way of life. More and more, we find ourselves walking in the spirit rather than the flesh. And I'm a witness. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. I stay humble. I will stay humble, Lord. And as we walk in the spirit, our character is changed. It's gradual. Let me tell you, it don't happen overnight, but it does happen. Yes, it does. And so lastly, I'm going to leave us all with this. The renewing of our mind. Because you see, when we walk in the flesh, there isn't much character transformation taking place. Why? Because you're walking in the flesh. But when we walk in the spirit, glory be to God, change happens. Yes, it does. In Colossians, Paul uses the figure of, of clothing to illustrate the change. Okay. In Colossians 3, 9, 10, he says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices, verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So we see in Christ, we have changed clothes. Glory be to God. The change, however, is not just external, but internal in our spirit and in our character. And the renewal and the renewal is not instantaneous. Okay. We are being renewed according to the scriptures. We are being renewed. That is literally made new again. Because you see, my Holy Spirit, we have to know He, the Holy Spirit, is going to show us how we need to say no to that sin. We have to now start thinking differently. Whereas before we felt, oh, it was okay to sleep with that married man. But now through the transformation and the renewing of our mind, we giving that the side eye too. We like, nah, first of all, you're married. Number two, stop it. Number three, your wife or your husband is not going to approve of this. So I don't think so. Nope. Giving you, giving adultery the big side eye ain't doing it. And so now look, like I said, that this is literally right being made new again. This is the process of sanctification. We see several other uses of the word in Paul's letter, okay, in his letters. So we see in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 
towards the end of that scripture where it says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And we see in Romans 12, 2, towards the end of that great scripture, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because in the beginning of that scripture, God was letting us know that we need to leave this world alone. To leave this world alone, not to conform to the patterns, to the rituals, to all the hot mess that they're doing. No, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so this is the Holy Spirit's work. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And we see that in Titus 3 5. And so in this process, we are changed, okay? I promise you guys, I'm leaving you all with this, okay? So, talking about working it out. Lastly, we see in Philippians 2, 12 to 13, because I am encouraged by Paul who writes about the process of sanctification, of putting into practice what we know, where he says, continue to work out your salvation, with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Amen. And so the spirit doesn't leave us to do this alone. No, rather he is working in us to change us and is patient with us. We can't say that enough, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being so patient with us because we need to get this together. And so with that being said, my friends, we can on your own, no, you can on your own study the fruit of the Spirit. Where Paul lists those fruits in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, because we see and I'm going to leave y'all with this so we can all wrap our brains around what is sin and what we need, excuse me, and what we need to avoid. Because those who participate in those sins, guess what? They ain't getting in. They ain't getting into the kingdom of God. And this is a depressing list. Y'all ready for this? Here we go. Okay. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. <clears throat> the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, verse 20, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, verse 21, and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like I warned you as I did before that those who live like this will not will not inherit the kingdom of God so yeah Paul's concern was to warn us okay because God hates sin sin will lead us to hell okay we ain't got time for that because we are looking to get to heaven amen amen and with that, I'll let you all go. Repent. Stop sinning. Think about it. Our minds are being renewed and transformed by the Holy Spirit. And so we need to turn to God, turn to Him. And through His Holy Spirit, 
We're going to get this together. Amen. Amen. Lord willing. Until next time, I speak to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.